Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Kim Crumbly. I'm Laura Rancorn. And together we are Counselor Accents, two school counselors who are in the trenches with you. We know what you're going through because we're living it every single day. Well, Laura, I am soaking wet. And but I am I know what a roving reporter or a news desk anchor feels like. They're on the air. We're ready to go. And I just spilt a bowl of chicken noodle soup. The show oh, must go on. on my blur britches. Which makes it worse. That is you know what worse. I'm that I'm wearing a velour outfit. I was going to comment on it earlier, but I thought, no, I'm just, I'm going to let you feel secure in your velour. Well, I, you could have called me Elvis during his latter years. And that would have been fine. It would have been a compliment. But velour really soaks in that chicken noodle soup. So I'm sopping wet. But the reason I am not taking the time to take my pants off is that I'm on borrowed time because my child is in there eating his chicken noodle soup. So I'm on borrowed time. It's just never easy. It's what we never, We make everything as hard as possible. And we're so optimistic about every endeavor that we take it's gonna on. It's going to get better. We're always like, it's going to get better. But anyway, yes, I'm sitting here and I'm dripping in this cloth chair, which now I've got to get off with you and try to figure out how I'm going to get the chicken noodle soup that seeped into the chair out. Yeah, you've got to get that out. It's going to start to stink within Mm. one to two business days. Okay, yeah, I'll get it out. Enough of that. I believe you have a story for us about the painting that you made your mom. I don't know what age you were whenever you oh, made no. this Oh, no. This was like a couple of months ago. Okay. Well, tell no, us. Actually, actually, it's been probably a year or two ago. But as you know, I like to think of myself as an accomplished painter. And I was thinking this afternoon, I told you, I've got a story to tell you. You were like, save it. I don't want to hear it right now because we were loading up. So I'm going to tell it to you now while I've got a captive audience. So I went through this oil painting stage and I was quite pleased with myself and thought that I would gift family members with my oil paintings. Now, if you're an oil painter, you know, it is not a cheap hobby. You know, because you, I was using the nice brushes, the nice oil paints, all the stuff to make oil paint work, all the canvases. So I did a painting for my mother and uh, I, I, I was so excited. I gave it to her and I thought she was going to redo her bedroom. And I thought when, when that's done, she's going to have this painting. She's going to get her bedroom all fixed up, hang that up on her wall So I'm giving her time to get this room redone and to hang that painting up. Meanwhile, we are out shopping one day and we came upon a thrift store that I had never been in before. And I could tell that she was, we're not big thrift store people like you. You love a good thrift store. And I love it now that I'm with you because you can point things out. But I don't know why. But I'm like, we've never been in here. Let's just stick our head in here. And she was very reluctant to go in, but could not, I could not be swayed. I was going in. 
And when I walk in, they have hanging in the thrift store the painting that I oh, painted for my mother. Goodness. Hanging. And it ha- this is where I think my this is the 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 moment that I knew my painting career was over. A buck fifty. Oh, starving artist. A buck fifty hanging up in the thrift store. And I mother, I she all the blood had left her face of all the things that could have happened, of all the places. <laughs> That she went to a place that I'd never had been knowing I would never go in there and had sold or given, given, given the painting. Just, you know, it's one of those places you give and they, you know, it's just a thrift store you give stuff to. They were selling that thing. So I bought it, of course, because I was not going to have it hanging on the wall, humiliating me with my name signed to it. So to this day, we still laugh about, I mean, now I can laugh. At the time, it was, it was, I was shocked that my, you think that your mother is going to save everything that you do. Not so. I don't know what kind of story she was going to tell me about why it wasn't hanging on her refurbished wall, on her refurbished bedroom or her redone. She wanted it out of her house that much that she was not thinking. She looked at that thing and thought, I will lie. I will come up with anything. And it was, I will grant you, this was my interpretation. It was, it was a freestyle of just my thoughts and feelings. And there was a lot of things going on in that painting. And obviously nobody got it. The thrift store people didn't get it. I don't know how long it'd been hanging there. I'm like the canvas alone. The canvas alone. Yeah, just repaint the cam- canvas. Oh, oh, Start over. Well, let me just say, there. it was a while before I could artistically get back in the game. It really again. stifled you. And if she thinks that she will ever get a painting for me. <laughs> She's not even getting something to hang on her refrigerator. Oh. You can, I would. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? It was not even in my hometown of Coleman. It was somewhere else nearby that we were just out, you know, as we say in the South, lollygagging, having fun. I'm like, let's just go in here. Ugh. That is it heartbreaking. Was, I, and, and hilarious. Yeah. yeah that time. happened. I don't know. What what made me think of that? Oh, this afternoon. Yeah, the kids were drawing or something. I was like, I'll have to tell you about my artistic endeavor. Yeah, it was a huge painting, too. Anyway. Man. I know. I know. So that what we have make, that's tap. like the grown-up version of like when your kids bring home papers and they always find their way in the trash. Yes, Blair and they has find been like, them. Oh, this is in the trash. And I've had to say, oh, I'm so glad you found that. How did, did get that get in there? Well, yeah, it didn't work for my mother. How does that, how is oh, that, that make it on the wall? The Ohio in the thrift <laughs> store. <laughs> At the Rooster and Hen thrift store. How did this happen? That is, I, I really want you to give that to your mother again this year for Christmas. Oh, it's happening. It is. Ha- I'm going to drag that thing down. Let's see what her reaction is. Uh, well, we we reference that story quite a bit. And, you know, it is it is very funny now. It was kind well, of funny at the time. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. what are the odds? And it had my name. So I knew. I mean, this Kim Crumbly hanging on the wall at the thrift store. So embarrassing. A buck fifty. 
Yeah, but well, speaking of pulling things out of the thrift store, we are doing another rerun, but we're pulling out quality reruns. No offense to your painting, but these are quality episodes that we've recorded, and we think they're very timely and applicable to the state of education and what we're all going through across the board in the trenches, all of us. Um, but this is an episode with one of our favorites, Brent Cosby, and we just got to see him, what, last week, week before last? We spoke. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell that story afterwards. Let's listen to Brent. Okay. We have chased this man around, and it reminded me of my high school days when I would chase everyone around and no one responded, except he did respond. <laughs> Well, what could he do? I felt like it would become the creepy level. It was either this or a restraining order, and he decided to uh, join us on a podcast. And we're <laughs> yeah, we, we made an arrangement. So <laughs> After this, we will not contact you. I believe that's what the arrangement was. This is it. There'll be a an assist after this. <laughs> that's correct. But we discovered Brent Cosby at a local state conference. I discovered him first. Let me just say that. And I told you, oh, my goodness, you have to come with me to his session. We hunted him down the next year. And you didn't understand why until you came to the session with me. And were you not blown away? I, we were we were getting ready to speak for Aska, and we had like a small window to get set up and do be ready. And you said, "I do not care. We're going to hear him." Yep. And we laughed so hard at your session, and it was so fast paced, and it was so practical. We laughed at at his. It was on purpose that we laughed. It wasn't like we were sitting in the audience laughing, no. ridiculing. But he is very. He's humorous and fast-paced, so if you've never heard him speak, anywhere you can. He is so amazing. So we're so honored to have you on, Brent. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what about yourself? Tell us about what who you are and what you do. Well, you've already mentioned that I'm ADHD and I'm DMB. We so, said it nicely. Is that the way it works? Okay. I tell everybody I have HD, ADHD, because I'm in high def all the time. <laughs> So that comes to your fast-paced uh, um, modality there. But um, to tell you a little bit about me, um, I live in uh, deep south Alabama called Andalusia. Um, and I have four boys that are grown and a grandchild. I've been working for a children's psychiatric hospital in the state of Alabama now for about 20 years. Prior to that, in mental health, uh, I work with special needs adults and children. Uh, and just have a passion for helping. Um, I do have a private counseling practice in Andalusia and a few other things that I do uh, in case you're in the market for a used vehicle. <laughs> I mean, look, you got to have a lot of irons in the fire. You did hear that I have four kids and a grandkid, right? So it takes a lot of extra. And so. I want to tell you what I heard. And I, I, you just sense it coming off of you this energy level, I can't imagine you trying to fit. I, I don't think there would be enough stuff for you to be doing. Cause I just feel like you're all the time. It's, it's uh, somebody mentioned one time that it's like watching a lightning bolt and trying to catch it. And yeah. 
and I, I can't figure, I, I understand it because that's the way I feel. Uh, I have high levels of energy all the time, uh, which uh, I travel a lot in the States. So you need a lot of energy to be able to drive. So when you're traveling four and 5,000 miles per month, uh, among doing other things, you, you got to kind of, you got to have a lot, lot in reserve. There's not much to tell. I'm, I'm kind of an open book that has one chapter. So uh, I, I have to know, how did you end up in the mental health Real. Well, I love my counselor when I was a kid. No, I'm just kidding. That's, just <laughs> true. That's not true. Um, I didn't like her at all. But anyway, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, was, I went to school at Troy University. So hopefully that's not giving them a bad rep today by mentioning that. But uh, I had a friend of mine that, that wanted me to take a class with her called uh, Introduction to Human Services. And we kind of went over the whole gamut of social work and, and rehabilitation and, and that whole area of of development, I said, hey, I kind of like this. And the more I liked it, the more I dug into it like anything else. And uh, I started off my first job out, out of Troy working with special needs adults in uh, Greenville, Alabama. And and absolutely loved it, have a passion for it. And then I was called to work with children and I absolutely fought that. And I ran from that for about three years. And I uh, finally grabbed a hold of my coattails and, and uh, and the rest is kind of history. I, I, I had to go back and get a, a grad a degree in, in counseling and psychology in order to make some of those things come to fruition. So, um, like I said, I ran for a long time. Well, you are so busy. You've got a lot of irons in the fire, like we talked about. And um, so we just appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today on our podcast. No, I li- I've been looking forward to it for a long time. This is going to make us all famous. I- I'm expecting it. Oh, we're going to be in the top 10 of most podcasts ever listened to ever. So listen, my mom and Kim's mom are going to be your biggest fans. Those are, (laughs) that's our main audience and they're going to love you. So, uh, so when when I promote this on my Facebook page, then there'll be four people that'll be watching. (laughs) Okay. So, Oh my well, the goodness. session that we attended that just we still haven't stopped talking about is uh, your session on uh, your toolbox and mainly thinking about individual counseling. And I think that that's an area where school counselors kind of panic a little bit. We can have a curriculum for small groups. We can have lessons for guided whole group uh, lessons. But when it comes to individual counseling, you really don't know what's about to walk through the door. So you have to be equipped and ready for anything. So talk to us a little bit about how you developed your toolbox um, presentation and just let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, we can say trial and error would be a very good start. Uh, Basically, all the techniques and tips, either I have read about them, modified them, created them. So I don't take credit for 150% of them, but I modify them, make make it mine, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. It's like the very first slide I talk about in both parts of that training is my theory of counseling. And it's, uh, it's one of those little uh, life dinghies uh, or a life jacket. That's my philosophy. I, I, can, I can give it to you and give you all the tools you need to float, but it's going to be your choice whether you wear it. So I start with that and then progress into other things. And I, and I kept thinking, uh, here we are being the ADHD person that I am, working with children. When I first started, I was working in an outpatient setting. I did an inpatient day, or an outpatient day treatment, and I also did um, uh, intervention in schools. So I learned a whole new appreciation for school counselors and school educators. Let me say that. 
Uh, I worked with some of the very best in the very beginning of my career that gave me tons and tons of ideas that from an educational perspective that I modified into a counseling and clinical model. So, for example, uh, doing things with a ballpoint pen. I had to have objects that were readily accessible, readily available, that children would be able to identify with. My main theory of counseling or my practice in counseling is to utilize things that people have access to every day, people that they, things that they come in contact with every day, such as a ballpoint pen. And I break that down in one of my sessions as talking about uh, children with anger, for example. The ink is what you show on the outside. That's your screaming, your yelling, your cursing, your whatever is taking place in, in a, a school setting. And then I talk to the child about what's going on with the spring, which is what triggers them and springs them into action to show the world what all these nasty things are. The whole of the pen is who I, who I am. That's my body. And I protect all those things that are inside of it. But yet the little bitty tip on the end is what uh, triggers. So I talk about triggers and what builds up the energy with the spring and then what you show. So my theory is, is that after we get through doing some individual type sessions, the child goes back into an environment where they click that ballpoint pen and they're reminded, my anger, my anger, my anger. I don't need to show the world everything that's inside of me right now. Um, the same thing with uh, using your sense of smell. Uh, your sense of smell is your number one memory recaller. So I use a lot of things like coffee beans and uh, you, you, all those beautiful smells that you can do plug-ins with, and we kind of decorate offices that way. But it all started basically when I came out of school, no discredit to Troy. Troy did a phenomenal job teaching me the foundations of being a counselor. But the one thing that I liked coming out was the actual techniques that I needed to keep an ADHD child at bay at home. And what should I tell a mom whose child is depressed in the evening times more so than the morning times? What can I utilize in order to help this child become more successful in all areas of their life? And I was kind of lacking on some of those things. Um, since then, I think Troy and other universities in particular have, have created uh, curriculums that address those issues now. But I'm old school, y'all. I'm 948 years old. So um, we had to make it up as we went. So, but yeah, it, it kind of started with having to... Um, Basically, starting from uh, you hear the term of being baptized by fire. Brent was baptized by fire. I had zero experience, and here's your 20 people on a caseload. Go do it. I'm like, do what? And the very first session I, I had as a professional counselor, um, a seven year old girl disclosed sexual abuse. And I was not prepared for that as a young uh, counselor, nor is anyone for the first time that they hear that. So uh, I've developed techniques since then when you hear those things, those dramatic, uh, astounding things for the first time, how are you supposed to react? What are we supposed to do next? What's our protocol? And I do that a lot in my trainings with schools um, because it is, it's difficult to come up with an individualized curriculum or an individualized program to address what looks like a shotgun approach of needs. Right. There's a lot going on today than there was when I was in school. And I'm sure five years from now, it'll be even more tremendous because teachers are not dealing with the same student anymore. They're not dealing with a child that has mom and dad that just divorce and what have you. They're dealing with, with long-term DNA issues of, you know, fill in the blank. They're dealing with peer pressures that are abnormal because of social media. And they're dealing with things that we didn't have to deal with growing up. So, 
we have more suicide attempts, more completed suicides. We have uh, bullying that is exacerbated. It is, it is on a totally different scale now um, because, uh, you know, I used to be able to get off the bus at home and I'm done with my bully for at least another 12 hours. And with social media, you're never, you're never away from them. So we're, we're dealing with different, different children today, uh, different styles of, of growth, but different world. Kim, I want to shout, I want to shout a man. I want to collect an offering. I don't know. I, Brent, you are our I'm teacher. going to the altar. I'm going to the altar. Let's go to the altar right now. That's good. Let's do a GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> Is I, that what the podcast is for? <laughs> <laughs> it's really not a podcast. This is just our free way of getting uh, help. Um, gotcha. You know, I, I think I have, I had an aha moment, Laura, listening to Brent. You know what's different about Brent is in our world of counseling, and I don't mean any disrespect because I love counselors. I'm in this business, business, but so many people are up here, and I just yeah. feel like Brent is so practical mm-hmm. and so relatable, and just there's nothing pie in the sky. It's just this. So your, you know, your ideas are so simple. The simple was the word I was going to use. Yeah, <laughs> but yet so doable, so practical for everyday counselors. But when you're talking about, my mind just went into when you're talking about the changes that we've seen in students, because I've been in education a long time and I've been a counselor long enough to really what I saw at the beginning and and what I'm seeing now has completely changed. Well, there's there's so much truth there uh, that I did a, a presentation. It was back in early last year about this time. And it was one of the last ones I did before the pandemic had occurred. And it was in a very uh, impoverished school in Alabama, which is a lot of schools in Alabama. Yeah. yeah. And the speech that I love to give more than anything else is you're the generation that can change this. All it takes is one action. Your, your, your thoughts are just seconds away from actions and actions change the next generation. And, and, I, and I go into explaining more about how I'm the first person in my family to graduate college. Now, that's not tapping Brent on the back. That's me wanting to change a generation because I was in the seat of these kids that there are no plants in the area. There's a dollar store to work at and one gas station. You have to drive 40 miles in any direction just to be able to find anything that resembles a Walmart. So these kids are growing up in areas where mom and dad say, well, it's okay if you do this. And I'm telling them it's not okay. I go against the grain when it comes to a lot of cultural beliefs in certain areas that we're talking about that are impoverished. You're intelligent. You can read a book. We can find you a method. Just don't get that pipe dream of I'm the star athlete, D1 scholarship, and all these things. Let's use your brain. We can use our talent second. But I preach that to all these kids everywhere that I go, that you are the one that can change for your whole family and for the next generation. And a lot of kids like to hear it. And I know I'm a nutball, but I give every kid my phone number when I get done. I tell them, text me, call me, something. I said, if you have no one else to talk to in your life, I said, call me. And, and, and I'll deal with you. I'll work with you. And I'll do what I need to do. I said, but um, I, I realize that there are a lot of children that have, um, they don't have that go-to person, as I call it, in their life. And one school in particular, I went, I did a suicide education program for them. It was a large uh, 6A school. 
And before I finished my first of two programs on suicide prevention, I had 137 texts and 39 missed phone calls before I even finished the first session. So it's telling, and I answered every one of them. I answered every one of them. We went four of those children admitted to the hospital that I worked for, and the rest I scattered out in, in counselors across the area. But there is a tremendous, tremendous need, and poverty plays a big role in this. Sometimes we feel like we're, uh, we're stuck in that, on that old Alabama dirt road on red clay, and we're just spinning, spinning, spinning. So my options are, well, I finish school if there's nothing for me to do here, so you see a higher dropout rate. And, and I'm like, no, no, let's find a way to save these kids. We can see where they're falling behind, and we can see where these kids need help earlier on. Some of my favorite people in the state I love visiting are probation officers because I have friends that are probation officers that have 100% of their caseload in counseling. If everything were okay, they would probably not be on probation. So let's get some counseling, let's get some help, and let's move them forward because otherwise they're going to be stuck on that old muddy dirt road. And they're going to wind up staying exactly where they are, doing the exact same thing and expecting a different result in five years. So we have to find a way to identify these kids early. Poverty is one of those that's an early identifier. So you can also deal with your children's policy councils in your state, too, in your county. Each county has a children's policy council whereby you can address these needs and you can write grants to address these needs if you have a higher uh, teen pregnancy rate or you see that smoking and vaping are on the rise with your fifth through seventh graders, there are things we can do. So when we see these triggers that are causing these, um, well, I'm not gonna say abnormalities in our social system, but if you see something that's going to cause a differential shift in our social structure, well, then that's when we need to start working on it at that point. Um, it's like the best advice I was ever given in my life. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> and a lot of our kids look at me like I'm speaking French and I'm like, take it and see where it goes. Some roads go to the best places ever. Some are, you know, are just temporary uh, happiness roads. And then in, in that road will fork again, too. And, and let's keep taking those forks. I did one educational program for a group of um, a group of educators in a small 2A school a couple of years ago. And I said, I can tell you the problem that I see with your school right now. And everybody is kind of silent. I said, how about everybody stand up? Let's take a field trip outside. And, and we walked outside and I said, you see where you park? You see where your students park? That's the problem. Look at, look at who's driving what. You got kids driving 2021 F-150 trucks at $85,000 a year, and mama's driving an 88 Impala that smokes and kills the mosquitoes in the area, okay? That's the problem with our culture is that we decided to give our children what we didn't have growing up, and we forgot to give them what we did have, which was discipline. My neighbors down the street let me drink out of their garden hose, but if I cut up, they would whip me and I'd get two more when I got home. And we're missing that generation of sitting on the front porch of Grandma Michelle and Pease, like you mentioned. We're missing that knowledge. We're missing the knowledge of taking certain aspects out of our school system, like auto mechanics. You know, we, I, I made sure my kids knew how to change the tire. They knew how to change the oil and do basic maintenance, you know, on their vehicle. I said, you can pour them out and do a radiator and you can come home, okay? Any liquid's good. Let's get home. <laughs> I just learned something. 
It could have been alcohol. I don't know what they put. <laughs> but they, who knows? They might have stood on the bumper. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the kids today are focused too much on mama, you do this, daddy, you, do, you got to do this. And it's my entitlement. I'm like, it does you a disservice if Brent does everything for you. And, and even in counseling, I can't do it all for you. I need you to pick up what I'm laying down on the table. I need you to work with it. Now I don't expect you to get it right, but I expect you to work on it. Uh, a lot of times I just put a big blob of clay and I said, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to work with. And I expect that you're going to work with it, not just here in this session, but when you go home. And so I give them little pieces of clay, and then sometimes I'll add a different color. And I'll say, here's you another color now. I want you to add, add this to it. And they said, what am I doing? I said, whatever you want to do. It's about how you're going to mold who you are. I can't do this for you. I can give you the lottery numbers, but you actually have to go buy a ticket. And so when I get that conveyed across, there's a level of accomplishment when we leave our sessions, because it's not Brent giving you secrets and keys and, and things that are unlocking these hard spots in your life. You're the one that's going to have to unlock it. You're going to have to deal with this. I'm just going to be the guide along the way. I love your philosophy. I'm just going to do a Southern thing here. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't that's make right. it. And and I think we as counselors put so much, and we deal with a lot of brand new counselors, and they put so much pressure, if especially in the area of I, if I if I miss something, a kid hurts himself. If I did not cross a, a you know, and and I say you do your due diligence, you do all you can, but we can't be there in their heads. They have to make choices. We're only trying. We're trying. We're laying it down like you. Said. They have to pick it up. I was in a school though back uh, before Christmas. At the end of the my workshop, this this young girl came up to me and she says, "Hello, Mr. Brand. I will be the valedictorian of our school this year." I said, "Congratulations." She said, "That's the biggest curse that's ever been put upon me." And and she kept telling me about this perfectionist attitude that she had developed over the years. And she said, "My mom and dad are divorced. They both have married people that I don't." necessarily agree with and they don't have my upbringing she was um she was raised a lot by her grandmother in in between complications and she said I was raised to go to church and I was raised to do this but my my family they they're not attending my step siblings are not attending she said I have pressure to be the top of my game the swim uh, meet champion I have to do all the the track meets and I'm expected to be number one she said it is overwhelming and it is exhausted and, and and I think some days I'm just wanting to give up and she was going through it after my suicide program. And she was like, I have thought a lot about it. And, and, and so I hear this type of thing a lot. And so my answer to her was real simple. I said, you know, I said, when the fire department goes out and, and, and they train, I said, they have to put 150 pounds of weight on their back and they have to run five miles. And they have to do it all within a certain time frame. And I said, your time frame was called 13 years from kindergarten to 12th grade. You had to complete and you had to succeed in each one of these areas. And they kept putting more weight on you. Okay. It's a lot of weight. I said, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, who is going to be stronger? The person that walks around with the weight or the person who doesn't? And that was the way I finished it. And, and she's like, well, well, Mr. Brent, I guess the one who carries the weight. I said, right. You've been carrying the weight and you're a stronger person. When you graduate, you're going to take a breath. And you're going to breathe, and it's going to be only for you from this day forward. 
Nobody's going to expect you to win that race. Nobody's going to expect you to be the top of your class. You're going to be a little fish finally in a really big pond out there called life and college. And I want you to explore being the little fish. But it's going to be, you're going to be a little fish now in about six months. And I'm ready for you to be that graduate and become that little fish again. And she was just absolutely standing there looking at me. And I said, here's my phone number and you call me. And if you need further help, I'll make sure either I do it or I have some of my friends do it in counseling practices across the state. And, uh, and she called me about a month later and she says, I want you to know that um, uh, 2021 is going to be a new year. And I, I'm looking forward to being a little fish. And she, she had drawn me a picture of a little fish with her name on it. And she texted a picture of it and sent it to me. And, and I absolutely love it because she kept thinking, I've got to be this big person for everybody, all this pressure. And I said, well, you know, even a mountain makes a diamond every now and then out of pressure. So uh, it just depends on how your focus is. And, and I do understand their situation. I understand a lot of kids' situations. They get into all this pressure, and a lot of it they bring on themselves. And, and I said, you know, um, I can tell you a million stories about kids that get in trouble with the law, and they have drug charges. And I said, look, I don't care about what you did. I only care about your very next decision. Because that's going to make or break the rest of rest of time here. You made a mistake. That, that's okay. You you can be forgiven for that. But if you continue making the same mistakes, I call that choices. I care about what you do next. So if your next step is complying with the court system, doing what they ask you to do, and never repeating that same behavior that got you there, you and I are success. Because it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with with houses and cars, your success is your next step. What's going to be your next step, your next decision? That's success. Because you can't take it with you. Although I did tell people that I want, I told my wife, I said, when I die, I want you to put the U-Haul behind the hearse and I want you to drive through town because I want you to tell everybody I took it all with me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you give everybody perspective. And I think that is so important because when you're in a situation like the girl that was a uh, valedictorian, all she could do was feel that pressure. And you gave her perspective to let her know this is temporary. And on the other side of this, it's going to be better. And I think that's huge just to let them know it's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be fine. I said, I have, I have probably more adults than kids that get, get overwhelmed. Uh, my private practice, they, it, it, it's it's amazing how we have stumbling blocks throughout our life. And sometimes it's a, it's one stumbling block that you don't seem to be able to pass. And it's interesting what those are as we go through. I understand teenage behavior. I, I get it. I, I live it every day. I can speak teenager. The stumbling blocks that people have in their life is helping them get past them. That's, that's all it is. Uh, you can have a tiny crack in your life or you can have a, a, a Grand Canyon in your life. But we're going to find a way to get the other side. And sometimes it's called a step. Sometimes it's called we got to get on a plane. Either way, we're going to get over it. And, and time really doesn't matter as long as we're successful. That's all that matters. But my, my counseling approach is a mixture. Everybody has cognitive behavioral. That's just a, a kind of a standard. But I do reality therapy. And that's what keeps me grounded and rooted to simple things. And let's solve the problem for today. And let's move forward. I can't fix the abuse of your past in the next three sessions. It's unrealistic. But what I can do is help you get over the hurdle that we're looking at right now. And sometimes I would actually take kids to the track and I'd have them jump hurdles. 
and we would label each hurdle with a different problem they were facing from small to big as they're ranked. And I said, we will get to the large one. I promise you. Um, but it, sometimes it takes a lot of visuals and a lot of metaphors and things to help um, help our kids come on through the gap. We'll get there, though. Adults are no different. And I think you're very gifted at that. And that may be your Southern heritage because we're storytellers and we are. See it. <laughs> and we definitely um, make those analogies. And those, you know, I think when when you can paint a picture for a kid, because when you were doing the fireman toting that. I'm like, I will use that now from now on. That is such a great analogy. Well, it's just finding out the the, the child too, though. Uh, and I say child, I'm speaking of young adults and adults too. We have to find a way to communicate with them. And we all went through the personality inventories and we all learn every different type. But but everybody that does the counseling motif at some point, you, you know how to read people. You, you know what to talk about, how to talk about, what tone. Uh, best session I ever had in my life. I said I had to go do an evaluation at a school of this young man who was refusing to to cooperate in class, and he was sent to alternative school. And I just sat with him. I said, "You are you ready to talk about you know why you're here?" And he says, "I'm not going to tell you one blank and blank and thing." I said, "Okay, fine. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to play on my phone." And I just sat and played on the phone. And an hour, I got up, I left. I said, "I'll be back tomorrow." And I did this for five days in a row. And on the fifth day, uh, he said are you getting paid for this? I said, I'm getting paid for every minute of this. I said, so you keep your mouth shut and we'll have something good going. You don't do anything, I get paid. And he, and he said, well, uh, today I'm going to make you earn your blanking money. And I said, and I got mad. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I thought we had a deal. <laughs> Telling me all these issues that were going on. And, and anyway, um, it, it's interesting how we, we don't have to be that you've got to tell me everything about you because I'm the counselor and you're the kid. Sometimes I need to give them four or five or six sessions just to let them be who they are. And, and uh, I, I do crazy things like write treatment plans on decks of cards and uh, I write people's names and their families and girlfriends and boyfriends' names on cards. And, you know, when it comes to that card, we're going to talk about it. Is that our, and we write down a list of rules. And so when we get to that car and I'm like, okay, I said, you got to tell me one thing that your boyfriend does. It's awesome. And one thing that he does, is not so awesome. You don't like, and, and just simple cards like that, get, uh, get these kids brains uh, detached for a moment from saying, I'm not telling Mr. Brent, but the rules of the game are this. So I'm going to have to play by the rules. And it, it just changes their whole perspective. And uh, I get so much more information. Uh, I was just telling a, a social worker friend who's in school now, I said, he said, what's the best thing I can do of being a social worker? When, and he was interviewing me for college. I said, I said, do a very good assessment. Ask a lot of questions. Just don't say, does your mom and dad use drugs? You know, just say, well, how many people in your family would you think are addicted? The kid's not going to tell you that, that dad's using meth every day. How many people are you think in your family are using? And then he says, okay. I said, I have one. Tell me five. How many people you think live in his household? Six, including him. He was the only one that didn't use. So you, you can find another way to ask a question that is non-threatening. And But but the, the assessment is probably the crucial piece uh, to when you're dealing with, with young people. Talking around what you want to talk about. Instead of saying, do you have a girlfriend? You say, well, hey, I noticed that you were talking to so-and-so. Is that real? It's a different way to ask a question. And, uh, and, and kids will talk. 
and oh boy, they will talk. Um, just gotta, just gotta give them the right question, I guess. And sometimes you can, you can do things like, uh, and I don't know why this makes a, a huge difference. It's a, it's a visual issue where I would cut different words out of a magazine to make a question, and I would, and I would glue it on a piece of paper or a strip, and then I would put all these questions in a bag. And then I would have the kid come in. I said, hey, you lead the session today. It's all about you. I said, go to the bag. And they would pull out a question. But because it was written or it wasn't written, it was actually cutouts of a magazine in different colors and and font styles. They were so less threatened by that uh, because I've done it the other way where I'd type it out in these cool looking fonts. But the different fonts for each different word, for some reason, visually changed their whole outlook on how they answered that question. And so I would let them lead the session and then they would ask me questions. They would pretend to be the counselor, which is what that's one of my favorite sessions ever. And it's amazing how they they um, they empty a lot more emotionally uh, from that perspective when it's reversed. There's a lot you can do in a minute with a kid. And as a matter of fact, in, when I worked in a, in a school setting going to, um, to do assessments and counseling, uh, I would tell them, I said, this is my five-minute session. And what all can we accomplish and who can get accomplished the most today? I got to see five people. What all can we get accomplished? And we got to address these issues. And they would spit it out because it was quick. And, it, and it's just sometimes it's that simple because kids, look here, when you were a kid and you were sitting in church, did you really enjoy an hour sermon or an hour and a half? You're Pentecostal. It was three. <laughs> That's hard. I'm Pentecostal too, so I understand. <laughs> Not, yeah. I, I hear you. Up, no. Now, no, I grew up Baptist. Hard. I grew up Baptist, and I went to Baptocostical, and then I went to Pentecostal. Okay. <laughs> But I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy the experience. I love Sunday school because we were playing and we were we were moving and changing things. But church, my mama said, sit there and shut up. Well, that wasn't enjoyable for me. And I, and you talked over my head with your Freudian biblical terms, and I didn't get it. But now, as an adult, I have to realize that child does not want to sit in my office for an hour. What are we going to do in an entire hour? But what if I tell them, hey, I need fifteen hard minutes. Give me 15 minutes. And then for 15 more minutes, I'm either going to write some things down. I'm going to give you some activities to do while I observe you or some other things. And then I'll give them a task. And sometimes that's just me checking a goal saying that you're adhering to adult authority because I'm giving you something to do and you're doing it. And that's one of my goals. If I'm dealing with oppositionally defiant kids or ADD, things like that. And that's how I get through that 30 minute session because they're not going to sit there for 30 minutes. It's like asking a kid to tie their shoes for 30 minutes. That's ridiculous. They did it once. Let's move on. <laughs> so, I so need a book. I do too. I Lord do have mercy. I need a book. I'll tell you what, if you, if you all will help me finish the book, we'll <laughs> author, co-author, co-author, how that works. That would probably be good for us because Kim and I are kind of like squirrels too. So we that are. would actually be good if we could all clear <laughs> the weight together. You keep up the good work, what you're doing and speaking. And, and it sounds like you're helping so many people. I tell you, that is a, to me, the, the scariest age to deal, to deal with. I have dealt with all of them, K through 12 in counseling. But when they get old enough to get away and do things, that 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 is the scariest age. And, and that you are confident and can do it confidently and are making a difference. That's huge. 
Hey, look, I love that out-of-control teenager. Don't give me a five-year-old with ADHD. Give me the 15-year-old that's punching windows out and all that. I, I can handle that one. Uh, yeah, and I'm so glad. That, give me the mom that says, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I can handle that one, too, because there's so much we can do. Uh, and But a lot of our parents don't know what to do sometimes. They either their uh, children are beyond their educational uh, area, which is what I see a lot of times in some of our poor rural areas. Uh, the kids in the eighth grade and mom can't help them with eighth grade, uh, you know, social studies or math because it's beyond them. Uh, and, and that's that's a that's a stumbling point. So um, nothing like uh, causing serious behavior in a classroom than when you feel like you're stupid. Mm-hmm. And I'll do everything I can do to call you every name I can call you for you to throw me out of the class. That way it's not my fault. I'm not stupid. You just threw me out of class. And, um, but Lord, I'd love to come watch some of the classrooms. That'd be fun. Uh, y'all need to invite me up to do some, uh, some training for your staff and see if I can get. Definitely. Well, why don't you, we have listeners from all over, actually all over the world. So why don't you tell our listeners what services you offer to schools and how they can contact you to come to their school? Sure. Um, the, we, we started doing things in schools about 16 years ago as a prevention method. And I, I cover probably about 65 different programs for schools and faculty. But the most popular have been bullying, substance abuse, and uh, suicide prevention. Those are the three staples that continue to get uh, requested or maybe a PTA meeting or PTO, whatever you call it, uh, and uh, faculty and students. And then if there's an overnight that's incurred, somebody usually raises a GoFundMe account and they pay for a hotel. And uh, (laughs) that works sometimes too. Uh, But if not, we work that out as well. Uh, We try to to just uh, help any way we can. But uh, like I said, I'm located dead center bottom of Covington County. Uh, My phone number is 334-798-0076. And uh, if anybody has questions at any point, whoever's listening to the podcast, uh, give me a call anytime. Love to help answer some questions, especially if you're stuck. A lot of times we get stuck um, with working with a child or a group of kids, and we don't know what the next step should be or could be. So we explore some of that. And once we get through the exploration process, maybe that'll jumpstart that faculty member to saying, hey, by the way, that worked okay, or it it didn't work at all. So uh, I've heard both. But uh, it's the the main pretense is never giving up. Uh, If you go back to when you were uh, first wanting to be an educator, why did you want to be an educator? Why did you want to become a school counselor? Why did you, that, that passion that you had to shift and change that generation, that's why I became a counselor. Like I said, I fought working with kids, but, but the passion fell on me to do it because I have an opportunity to, to take that person in that life and mold it so they don't have these problems as they become adults. So I'm that inner passion. Too many people, look, I asked my old high school teacher, I ain't going to tell you where I went to high school. It was in Laverne, Alabama. But uh, anyway, I asked my, my old English Lit teacher one day, I said, how many years have you been teaching English Lit? She says, I've been teaching English Lit for 34 years. I said, I have to correct you. You've taught one year 34 times. And she said, no, Mr. Cosby, I did not. I taught 34 unique, different years with my students. And she was correct. 
She's a phenomenal human being, one of my favorite people that I've ever had uh, the privilege of knowing because she made every year unique. You can only do so many Canterbury Tales, okay? It's one that I pre-reel with the Shura Sutta. I mean, you know, it's there, it's the same every year, but she made it unique, and she had a passion for what she did up until the day she retired. That's who I want to be. And if I can't have that passion in what I'm doing, I'm going to Lowe's, and I'm going to sell uh, light bulbs and screwdrivers. <laughs> we are fans. And, and we, we've we been on here an hour, Laura, and it just... We could go even longer. I, I know it. It's it phenomenal. But you've made the mistake in giving us your telephone number. <laughs> I see a group text in our future. Uh, there you go. All right. Creepy old women will not leave me alone. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be absolutely fine. You text anytime. You call anytime. That's what we well, I do hope that we can see you. And uh, we, we, we have said in your audience, but next time we're going to be like, we're his friends. Uh, scoot over. We're up front. Because, hey, look you, know, here. you get the head table. We're going to put you at the head table. They allow uh, that's, that's what we want. That's what we want. Okay. The, the first two conferences that I attended, I'm overcoming a disorder. It's a door prize disorder. And it's where I cannot stand the thought of my name being called or being called out in a group. So imagine how I must have felt in your session when you're calling people out. But I endured because it was worth it. And <laughs> so I've overcome this disorder. I'm working on it. So I feel like, please call my name. Please call my name. Yeah, just, just wait now. You have my number. I have your name. <laughs> Like I'm going to draw door prizes out throughout. Laura's going to win every one of them. It'll be the joke of the week. That's <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll fix it. I said, kind of like if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, you were terrified that preacher's going to call your name. <laughs> that may be it. That's probably where it all stemmed from. See, it's rooted somewhere. Every behavior is rooted somewhere. So. My dad was uh, the answer, though. So just imagine that. My dad. He was the one calling out the name. So, yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) That's scary. Yeah. Brent, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I know your time is valuable. And listen, everybody, you need to stand at your school system. I promise you, you will thank us. You will say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Or if he's any events that he could speak at, he is amazing and wonderful. And I promise will be entertained and educated at the same time, which is what we always look for That's in a right. city. And those are rare. So uh, yes, they, they can be quite rare. I said, I actually started speaking because I was tired of sitting in workshops where it was humdrum and boring. And, and you know, and, and I'm like, we have to have a little life and flavor. And, and I'm not anywhere remotely near, I wouldn't even say par. But I know a lot of people that are, and I like watching them because it, it energizes me to, to do what I do and continue continue moving forward. But someday it's a snail's pace. But, hey, I'm moving forward. That's all. <laughs> right. Right. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you guys for having me. To your future. Okay. Now. Now you remember why he's your favorite, right? Yes. Yes. It's like everything he says. 
you just want to be writing, but you can't write that fast because his brain works so fast. He is ADHD. I don't know if he's diagnosed himself. I will call him and tell him that brain is just all over the place and he's all over the place. And he's amazing. He's wonderful. Yes, we both have a little bit of a crush on Brent. Uh, everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. So uh, last week we were, was it last week we were speaking? Last week uh, we were speaking. Yes, or week before, before. I can't remember. So anyway, we're speaking. <clears throat> he said, wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if I just, come running through the audience and just say, wait, stop, stop, and just halt and come up on stage and say, how, how are you two chosen to speak when I, accept, yeah, when they did, when I wasn't. And so he said, and then I'm going to do something with everybody. And, you know, we, we, our minds are a little bit crazy, like Brent is, and we get sick humor out of things. And we thought that's going to be hilarious. And it was. And I didn't know if he would do it. I really thought that has going to take some hooks, but a jump up in here. It was like, it was a big room. It was a big crowd. How is he really going to do this? So we get up, This the person introduces us, and we get up on the stage, and we start our thing. And then we was like, hey, hey, coming across the room, here comes Brent. He never gets out of character. The look on some of the folks' faces, like, um. What is happening? Is this real? Like, yeah. like security? Security? Uh, but he just took control. He did, he had this, he said, this is what I was going to do if I was going to speak. And he just goes straight in to his spiel. He has a beach ball and he, he does this whole activity with his beach ball and gets everybody involved. The crowd, the crowd was up. so engaged. I know. And they still don't know that he hasn't just busted up in here, but we, it, it was just like to be that free and to yeah. be that humorous and to be just like, I'm just going to do this because it just sounds funny to me. But he's one of those, wouldn't it be funny if all the time, you know, like, and then, he goes with we, it. And then let's just do it. Like we have those thoughts and we imagine and we envision it. And we like actually does it. And he's like, let's just do it. So it was so funny. It was so funny. So, yes. So I, I you can just any, any item laying around, he can say, I could use it and I can turn it into something. So, yeah, he's amazing. And- he has agreed to join us at our behavior detour conference. And oh, so wow. that, that was a huge win. Um, but just let's explain our behavior detour conference to our listeners, because I don't want anybody to miss out on this opportunity. No. Um, it is a virtual conference that we think is going to answer the question of what in the world do I do with these behaviors right now? We have some of the nation's leading experts on behavior that are going to be giving us strategies and solutions. They're going to be talking about brain development or stories that relate to overcoming those obstacles with behavior. It is just so full of about, um, I believe we calculated it and it's over 20 hours worth of uh, professional development hours um, that you can get a certificate for. and. Plus, it's going to be fun because we're involved. So it's going to be a virtual 
conference. It starts February 9th, which means the sessions are going to be released February 9th. Now, if you want to take the day off and watch the sessions, that's up to you. Um, or if you're if you're at a school and you can take the PD and not take a day off. I mean, it, it is that it, it, it is so informative. And the, I know that because we have some of the, like you said, it is leading uh, folks in this field that deal with behavior in the brain and educators and those that work with educators and those that just are in that world of science. So, and that's what I meant. Don't take a personal day. This is a professional development day. I thought you meant like, mm, no, I'm like, I'm not getting all this information. You're, I think your administrator uh, might even want to be involved in this because this is the question we're hearing across the nation. What do we do with these behaviors? Well, and that's the thing. This is, you know, we're school counselors, but we're asking people outside of school counseling to help give these tips and strategies. So this is something that you might want to share with your teachers at your school. This is something you'll want to tell your administrator about um, because they're the ones that are also on the front lines dealing with these behaviors and they need these strategies as well. So you will have access to these for a whole year. So you can watch these as many times as you want. We will have live events throughout the weekend of February 9th. So it's a good, it would be a good idea to watch these sessions so that you know questions to ask or um, have things that you want to talk about with some of these um, presenters whenever they come on these live events. Uh, We're going to have door prizes. We're going to have just the events are going to be fun. I'm excited about like our Friday night example, or our Friday night event, for example. Do we want to go ahead and talk about that? Oh, listen, we're going to do a campfire. And yes, it's going to be virtual campfire, but we have a lot of fun things that uh, we'll be doing. And then you're going to have an opportunity over the weekend, that Saturday and Sunday, to actually come out and ask questions um, that you may be. So be thinking of those behavior situations that you're in, listen to some of these, and then we'll come together and talk to some of these leading folks in the field and get some answers. So this is a very specific type, but it is so of, of event because it is dealing with behavior. But uh, we know that this is the conversation everyone's having is what what do we do with these behaviors? So um, I'm excited that we're able to to bring this to everyone. And I want to say that the early bird registration goes until uh, the end of December. So please grab hold of that. Um, and I, those are $39, $39 for the early yes. bird. Yes, the early bird discount will go on for just a few more weeks. So grab it while you can. And because um, then the price will go up. So $39, I mean, for the amount of hours of PD and the speakers that we're getting, I mean, Brian Perlman, Amy Dean, Behavior Queen, come just on. Just one Joy of those, to, yeah, just one of these speakers to hear them, how much would you pay to just hear one of these? So this, the main thing is we really are being selfish and wanted this information for ourselves because we really want to help educators we want to help ourselves and so we were like 
this is the this are the these are the questions we're getting. This is the conversations that folks are having with us. Let's go to the sources and get some answers. So we're super excited. Yep. So we will put the link here in the show notes. You can also go to our social media and find the link to sign up for this event. Um, but we're super excited about it. Hey, I'm going to have to cut on out because the soup has started to dry on the velvet. And literally what happens to velvet when soup dries is it becomes hardened. So <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask for somebody to come help me get up out of this seat and then I'm going to vacuum the seat. You have created a cast on your... I have a velour cast, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how the pants are going to come off. I'm just going to say that at this point. You may have to crack them like <laughs> with a chisel. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to scoot on over with a bis- bissel and a chisel. All right. Well, you can follow us on Instagram. You can like us on Facebook. You can join our email list because that's where we share out uh, information like our behavior conference or our books, things like that. And yes, I said books, plural, because we have another one that's available. So we'll talk more about that later. But a lot of exciting things. And we talk about that through our email list and on our website. So just go follow us in all the places. Anything else, Kim? Let's see it. Okay.